Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by Jen Kwok that she first shared on the podcast in February of 2014. Here's Jen now with a story we call The Connections. So two years ago, January 3rd, 2012, I was sitting on an express bus going from Staten Island to Manhattan. And I was listening to my iPod, Florence and the Machine, and I was writing in my notebook about how I'd felt about the past week. And I reached this state of calm that I'd never felt before in my life. I had just gotten out of a really long battle with depression, and I always had this recurring image in my head of myself standing on this dark stage alone with a theater spotlight literally inside my torso and it was always turned inward, and I couldn't picture it turning out into the world because I was afraid to share, I was afraid to connect, and I didn't believe in myself or my talent or whether or not I even deserved to be alive. But in this particular moment on this express bus, that image was different in two ways. For once, I was able to see it shining out And I was also seeing it first person for the first time ever. So I saw myself with this light shining inside of me, bursting out like a sun, like a star. It was like nothing I'd ever felt before. And my eyes were closed and I could see it so clearly. I opened my eyes, I looked outside the bus and everything was glowing. I mean glowing. It was beautiful. It 
was storefronts, it was cars, trees, just fucking glowing. Things were a lot different earlier that week. Uh, Tom, my husband, then fiance, and I were getting ready for Christmas with his parents on Staten Island. Christmas Eve morning, they went out for a jog at the park with their dog, Graffles. I had just gotten into the shower. I had just wet my hair, and I heard a knock on the door. I felt Tom rush past the door, and he yelled something that I couldn't make out, and it turned out that his father had suffered a serious heart attack. It came out of nowhere. He had been to the doctor the week before, and they said he was in excellent health. And luckily, there was an off-duty fireman there that day jogging as well, and he was able to give Ed CPR immediately. So he survived the heart attack, but he had brain damage. And in order to save whatever brain function he had left, uh, the doctors sedated him, and they put him in what they call induced hypothermia. So we went to see him in the ICU, and every, every person in Tom's family looked completely different than I had ever seen them in my life. Tom, my husband, who's this 6'5", Clark Kent-looking guy, he was just slumped over holding his dad's hand, which I'm sure he had not done since he was a kid. And Krista, Tom's mom, who is this very sweet but semi-stoic German school teacher, was just broken down. She was talking to her husband, begging him to get better, telling him how much we loved him, whether or not he could hear. And Ed just looked like he was sleeping. But because of the hypothermia machine, which was keeping his body cool, he was shivering. And it was this full body shiver. And when he would shake, his head would bob up and down like he was saying, yes, I hear you. Yes, I'm going to get better. And Ed was always a quiet guy, but he liked to make these like punny Irish dad jokes. And he always did them in this like vaudevillian accent. And I remember the last thing he said to me before the walk that day, he said, we're going to have scallops tonight. Mmm, scallops. <laughs> and it was Christmas Eve. Tom dropped me back home. His mom and him stayed there with Ed. And uh, when I got home, I was looking for food in the fridge, and I opened it up, and there was that big bag of scallops that we were never going to eat. And it hit me. Was I in a dead man's house? I was so freaked out. The terror just entered my body. And I went to the bathroom, and I looked around, and I just imagined all his old dead skin cells just all over everything. And I imagined him, this darker version of himself, coming to me like a ghost trapped between life and death and demanding to know where his family was and why was I the only person there in his house. Well, the next morning was Christmas, and we went to see Ed again. And now, instead of just shivering, he was having full-on seizures every time the sedation came down. And the doctors literally had no idea what was going to happen. The day after Christmas was Tom's 30th birthday. And Krista made Pillsbury croissants like she always did, and Tom opened his presents like he always did. And when he opened his birthday card from his dad, he just lost it. And we were just in this tiny bubble of sadness that just absorbed any sort of happiness, any anything. And I remembered how weird it felt when my sister texted me from our family's huge Christmas party in California. 
She was like, oh, too much family. And here we were, just the three of us, just wishing things could be normal. And a few more days went by, and one morning, Tom and I were getting ready to go to the hospital, brushing our teeth. He spit in the sink, and he just turned and looked at me, and he said, if we ever have kids, we should have two. And we had never talked about having kids before. And I was now profoundly aware of how alone he felt through this entire experience. And a week went by. It was New Year's Day. Tom called me from the hospital, and he said, we have to make a decision about whether or not to pull the plug. And he came home later. He explained to me that his parents had watched this movie once, a Lifetime movie or something, where a guy was on a machine, and his dad started crying, which he never did. And he told his mom, if this ever happens to me, do not let me stay this way. So we knew what the decision was going to be. So Krista came home, and we just all cried with this huge sobbing mess, and it was a sort of pain that I'd never felt before or knew was even possible. And even Graffles, the dog, came over, just confused, licking our hands, trying to do something. I don't know. What? Later on, Tom broke down again in his room, and he said, I'm not even crying for my dad anymore. I'm just crying for my mom because she met him when she was 19, and he's all she's ever known. So we went to bed. Tom was in his childhood bed, and I was on an inflatable mattress. Our heads were perpendicular to each other, and we were just laying there. I knew that we were both awake. And I said, Tom, remember when we first met? And there was a long pause. Finally, he said, yeah. There's another long pause, and he said, I, I wanted to play with your hair right away. And he'd never told me that before. So the next morning, Tom and his mom had their coffee. They went off to the hospital, and I stayed at home. I was in this vortex, checking my email, Facebook, Twitter, Scorpio's horoscope, this loop of trying to figure out what to do, how to numb myself, I don't know. And I was in my own cyber waiting room. And I felt okay not being there because they had known Ed pretty much their whole lives. And I had only seen him, you know, a handful of Thanksgivings or, or dinners. But they came home and it was, it was like it, actual grieving time. And it sucked. Krista went up to her room, and Tom and I were together in the living room, and he stopped crying at one point, and he said, when the time came, I was going to ask him how to be a dad. It hit me, again, out of nowhere. And later I was brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed, and this decision just came to me, this rush. It was so clear, and I said, Tommy... I'm going to pursue performing and writing for three more years. Find some kind of success, whatever that means. And then we should start a family. And he said, that sounds like a good plan. And the next morning, something strange happened to me. I was sitting on the express bus from Staten Island to Manhattan. And everything was so beautiful. 
Everything was glowing. And I couldn't understand it, but I fucking felt it more than anything I felt in my life. And I looked out the window, and everything was beautiful. The sky and the buildings and every single person who came on the bus, I just saw beauty in their faces. I felt connected to everything. And it was amazing. And I would look out, and I would see beyond, and I would see more. And I was aware of every detail at the same time. I saw every crisscross on a metal crane, and I, I saw every window on every building and I felt the life that was inside and I was aware of the atoms that made up all the people that were living these lives and it just felt so infinite and everything was possible and we're all in it together and then I felt Tom his mom my family I I felt them almost like they were there and I saw Tom's energy and his mom's energy and his dad's energy, like, watching over them. And it was just this connection that I couldn't explain. It felt so real, and I felt like they were there. And at one point, I looked at a bus that was passing by, and I saw a poster of Dustin Hoffman, and I felt connected to Dustin Hoffman, you guys. It was amazing. And this feeling, it only lasted about an hour. It subsided as soon as I walked into work. But, <laughs> but I, I don't know if it was a short span of enlightenment. I don't know what it was, but it's what I imagined that enlightenment would feel like. And I wonder sometimes if I momentarily lost my mind, but I'm still grateful for it. Thank you. That is all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.